When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And Jacob deGrom in the sixth inning pitched a nine-pitch, one-two-three inning. He was so good in the sixth, we're all thinking, how about the seventh? And this was the moment. Pete Hoffman will never forget because after DeGrom finishes the sixth inning, I very quickly take my phone out and I text only one person. I ignored the Mets text chat I'm in. And by the way, the reason Pete Hoffman is not in the Mets text chat, there's a reason. It's actually a really good reason. We will not allow greenies into our text chat. And Hoffman's one of those guys who has a non-Apple phone so he's banned from the text chat. No that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I've been banned from many chats, so I'm okay with that. But that, <laughs> that, that that's the one I want to be in. That's the only chat I care about. I'm sorry. And you have some friends in that text chat. You've got people who like you. And one of the guys is like, can't have offense. We can't put the green <laughs> in there. I apologize. I respect it. I respect the hustle. But I only texted Pete because of this podcast. Because him and I, the other day, spoke hypothetically about Edwin Diaz pitching the seventh inning. So I didn't believe anybody else would get it. Only me and Pete would understand because we had the discussion. We talked about, and look, my hypothetical did not nail what it was. I was more middle of the order in the seventh inning, guys on base. This was not that. This was Buck Showalter saying, hey, we can't get Trent Grisham out. That's what it started with. It was Buck saying, we can't get Grisham out. And oh, by the way, Soto and Machado's coming up. So why not use Edwin Diaz? The second of it. I love the fact that Buck Showalter said to himself, I can't F around. I'm going to my best pitcher in the seventh. What went through your mind, Hoff? I I it was I loved it. I loved every second of it. Now I did think I did think that maybe you give the the only thing I was thinking was maybe give Degrom first or second that batters just because I thought the whole plan was Diaz goes in for the top of, or mid order, but I respect it and I knew that he'd come back out once Diaz was in the seventh. He was going to come back in for the eighth too. So I was, yeah. I was comfortable with that. This was, so this is the way you got to view it. And I think what changed things, what we couldn't have predicted was Trent Gresham was the fact that, and Buck said this after the game, and I respect it. Buck basically said, we can't get this guy out. And they haven't. I mean, Trent Grisham hit a home run against Max Scherzer. I know everybody hit a home run against Max Scherzer, but he hit the second home run against Max Scherzer. And remember that great play Starling Marte made in the seventh inning was on a Grisham ball. 
So he could have had a couple of hits in this game. Hits the home run off Jake and draws a walk. I agreed with you, by the way. My thought at the time was, let me let Jake start the seventh, and then Diaz is my guy because of the top of the order and because of the heart coming up. But what made me, after the fact, I admit, change my view on this was the Grisham thing. The fact that DeGrom said after the game, when Jacob DeGrom says, Trent Grisham hit a ball over the fence that I don't regret the pitch. I think it was a great pitch. He hit it out. I give credit to him. That makes me think, boy, I'm glad DeGrom didn't face him again. Because in his second at-bat, leading off an inning, he walked him. He was very careful with him. And remember, Grisham ended up coming around and scoring on the pro-far hit. So I kind of get Buck saying, you know what? I love Jake. Yes, he's great. This isn't the guy I want DeGrom facing for a third time. And so Diaz was never an option for nine outs. That that was never realistic unless somehow he breathed through two innings, throwing like 18 pitches, which wasn't going to happen. This was, I'm going to get the six outs from Edwin now in the seventh and eighth. And one of the reasons I've always loved it was twofold. A, he's facing the better hitters of the other team. And then also, how about this factor? And it boy, did this factor in big time. Maybe my offense is going to break it open. Maybe when Edwin Diaz shuts down the seventh, maybe my offense explodes in the bottom of the seventh. Or maybe when Diaz shuts down the seventh and eighth, my offense explodes in the eighth. And that's exactly what happened. Now, first on Diaz, he was not the sharpest we've ever seen. When he threw ball one and ball two to Trent Grisham, I was nervous. And then we had that shaky spring training play between Alonzo and Edwin Diaz. He gives up the base hit to Nola in which I don't know what Lindor was doing. I think he mistimed his jump. Then you had that weird play where Alonzo dives. McNeil makes the play. There's a bang-bang play at first that, for some reason, Bob Melvin challenged. I have no idea why. He was clearly out. Maybe he thought the replay committee was high from the previous inning, which I I do not understand how the Marte play at first wasn't overruled. We all saw the replay. He was safe. What What the hell was that? Was there an explanation on TV about that, Pete, on how they didn't overturn that? Well, it looked like it, they thought that it looked like it, he missed the bag initially and then dragged his toe at the end. But I got to be honest, the bag, he touched it. He tripped over the bag. He The ball was clearly there after his foot was – I know it was the front of it, so it wasn't on top. It wasn't like he stepped fully flush, but his toe was touching the bag. And the re- there was never a good replay to overturn it. That's what happened. Wow. I mean, I, I know you want it to be 100% convincing to overturn, and I, and I respect that. Like, I wouldn't just overturn anything. But I thought, at least, because, look, they show the replay on the scoreboard as much as they can. And to me, my eyes was, the guy's safe. It, it wasn't very close. And then when Bob Melvin and Ing later challenges the profile play, I'm like, well, if they overturn this, I may riot. I mean, if they overturn this, I think I'm going to jump on the field. Like, I would be so upset if they do this. After I saw the replay, I was still nervous. I'm like, he clearly, Diaz clearly got his foot there, but they may overturn it. And it's, it, that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. That's, listen, there were some calls, questionable calls. Um, who was it that was up the bat? Was it Darren Ruff or somebody was up the bat? And there was some, Snell was getting pinched. So there were some moments on both, on a, a lot of different scales where I was like, Mets are getting lucky. We're trying to get. We're trying to pray for a sack bunt out of Tomas Nito, <laughs> and he's gifting him balls. I know. 
Yeah, there was some – it's tough where I'm sitting because I'm behind the plate. It's a good view, but sometimes you can't see left, right, ball strike. I did go back and look at the Kim strikeout, the one he was really upset about. That was a strike. It was a very close pitch. It was DeGrom painting the corner. So at least that one where Hayson Kim got very upset, I thought was a strike. But to Diaz's credit, he wasn't the sharpest. He gets one soda to tap out. And then we get something that I think is fascinating. I think this is a great debate. So I hope people are on my side about going to Diaz in the seventh inning and Buck's side. I respect if you disagree, but I love that this is a new thing in baseball. There's a lot of new things in baseball we hate. It's very, very easy to hate new things in baseball. I love the fact that we don't have managers using closers in the ninth inning because they need to get them a save. I always found that dumb. I thought it was ass backwards. And I think Andrew Miller changed all that, the way Francona used Andrew Miller in 2016, where these guys are going to get paid. They don't need 50 saves to get paid. We're not stupid. If a guy's great out of the bullpen, it doesn't matter how many saves he has, you're going to get paid. And I, I really believe that's what changed everything. So Buck no longer during the regular season feels, oh boy, I got to use Diaz in the ninth because I can't get him a hole. I got to get him a save. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a rat's ass anymore. It's one of the new things in baseball that's awesome. So I think I've made my case. Buck's made his case. I love using Diaz in the seventh, but here's where things get complicated because there's a lot of avenues where using a, a dominant reliever early can go. One is you maximize the amount of outs he gets. Great. You call it a day. The other is breaking a game open. When would you feel comfortable taking your best reliever out? Because, hey, I've got a big lead. And I want to take you back before we discuss what happened in this game to Atlanta about a month and a half ago. If you recall, the Mets one win in Atlanta when they lost three out of four was that 8-6 game Max Scherzer started. The Mets had a one-run lead in the eighth inning, and Buck Showalter went to Edwin Diaz, and he did an amazing job. He faced the heart of the Braves' order, pitched a 1-2-3 inning, and then the Mets in the top of the ninth scored three runs. Now they had a four-run lead. Buck Showalter pivoted. He said, okay, I got a four-run lead. I'm not going to ask for six outs from Edwin. I'm convinced Edwin was going to go for six outs, but because the Mets scored three runs, Buck took him out and went to Trevor May, who promptly made the game really exciting. You may remember Ronald Acuna Jr. came this close to a game-tying home run. I think sent uh, Marte to the warning track. Um, did Marte play in that series? I think he did. Whoever, somebody went to the warning track. And the Mets survived. Regular season, Buck said, okay, I got my big three outs from Edwin. I sort of broke it open. I'm going to take him out. This game in game two was so goddamn unique because A, the Mets had a 50-minute inning. The seventh inning took forever. And it took forever because Morjan couldn't throw a freaking strike because we saw bullpen movement. We saw long at-bats. We saw pitching change, which is what I meant by bullpen movement. We saw pitch calm not working. So when you factor in 10 pitch at-bats, pitch comms not working, it's just taking forever. There's a pitching change. Edwin Diaz's ass is in the dugout for an hour. Close to an hour. It's not really an hour, but a long time. And oh, by the way, it was cold out. Factor number one. Factor number two is, well, the Mets went out and scored four runs. So now all of a sudden you have a five-run lead. But here's the problem. This is an elimination game. If you take Edwin Diaz out in the eighth inning with a five-run lead, and then whoever you go to, probably Adam Adovino, 
runs into trouble, what's your safety net? And this could turn into Zach Britton 2.0 to another degree where, yeah, I use my best reliever. I didn't leave him in the dugout or in the bullpen. But the problem is I took him out. So I'm managing along. I'm sitting there with my dad saying, this is tough. I don't know the answer. I was, I was admitting. I was like, I don't know, man. I think they have to make it an eight-run game for him to take Diaz out. So I had no issue with him staying in. Is there risk of, well, it's cold. He sat for an hour, and that makes him ineffective? Yeah, man, there's a chance he's going to be ineffective because it's something so unique. It's something he hasn't done. But I think because it's an elimination game. If you're Buck Showalter, you had to send him out for the eighth inning. You, you just had to because if you take him out six outs away, even with a five-run lead, and we ended up seeing Adam Adovino obviously make things interesting in the ninth inning. I mean, the freaking tying run came to the plate, which is – don't get me started on that. Like, I think Buck had to keep Diaz in the game. Do you agree with that, or were you ready to pull Edwin Diaz? No, 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 I was 100% agreeing with it. I never thought, I think that I, I looked at Twitter after like he came back out and I saw people like hating on him. I'm like, there was never an, I just watched the Toronto Blue Jays ha- lose a seven run lead. They were up eight to one and they lost. So I, with the Mets history, you can't mess around. I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to, 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 to slight our, our history in any way. In these moments, Diaz is the best pitcher for if you're gonna go to the bullpen, bring in Ottavino with a fresh arm or Diaz who's been sitting for an hour. I'm gonna go to Diaz. I'm and sorry. If you lose that game. And remember, the Padres had the heart of the order coming up in the eighth inning. Uh Soto had made the last out, but you are talking about Manny Machado, Josh Bell, Jay Cronenworth. If you go to someone else, because A, Edwin Diaz was sitting for a long time, and B, you have a five-run lead, and God forbid you ever blow it. I think that's one of those unforgivable managerial moves that live with you forever. So, yeah, it's difficult because the question is, what's the lead where you take them out? What's the number where you say, okay, I'm good. I'm going to take them out. When Brandon Nimmo came up in the seventh inning after the Mets had already scored the four runs and eventually Nimmo struck out, I remember saying to my daddy, it's a three-run home run. Okay, I'll take Diaz out. (laughs) It's 10 to 2. Okay, I'll take Edwin Diaz out. But it's 7 to 2. I wasn't ready to do it. And Diaz was like fine because he comes in, he gets the ground ball back to the man. It was hit hard, but he makes the play. He issues the walk to Josh Bell. That was brutal because it was on four pitches. And then he strikes out Cronenworth. So he gets you the two outs. At that moment, Buck says, okay, I've seen enough. I don't know why. Is the pitch count being 28-29, that magic number where Buck says, I got to get him out because now I am thinking about tomorrow. I am thinking about the fact that I'm going to need Edwin Diaz to pitch at some point in a winner-take-all game three. And, no, Gattavino comes in. He gets the big strikeout. And then in the ninth inning, I don't know what the hell was going on. That was that was Yankee Adovino. That was Yankee Adovino. Yankee fans know what I'm talking about. Adam Adovino had very difficult issues. Difficult issues. He had problems throwing strikes. And that has not been a major hindrance to Met Adovino. But Yankee Adovino, it was a problem. And so when you have a five-run lead in the ninth inning, and you're essentially walking Grisham, I know he hit him, but he walked him. And then you're walking Nola. And then Profar comes within an inch of hitting a home run. But okay, at least you threw it down the plate. You got an out out of it. And then you walk Soto. And then you walk Machado. You can't walk these guys. 
They hit a home run. You're still winning. When he walks Machado, and I got to watch Seth Lugo coming in a four-hour game, and now the tying runs at the plate on a guy who set the tone for this series with the home run in game one, I mean, this would have been this would have been like, hey, Toronto, hold my beer. That's what that would have been. But look, Lugo got the job done. The Mets were able to win. And that seventh inning, and I don't want to gloss over at the bottom of the seventh, was a very, very encouraging inning. That was the best inning we've seen from this Met offense because they, A, had such great at-bats, top to bottom, from Lindor's full count base hit to right field to his read on the wild pitch to go to second, which is forgotten because Alonzo walked, to the long Alonzo at-bat, to the great Marcana at-bat, to where now you got the bases loaded, to Jeff McNeil ripping the two-run double, to Eduardo Escobar coming through behind in the count 0-2, opposite field RBI single, to Vogel back with a sacrifice fly. That was a very encouraging offensive inning. And remember, that's on the heels of Tomas Nito doing something really, really stupid. And that was when Darren Ruff is hit by a pitch and you're using Terrence Gore, who is on the team for one reason. He's on the team to steal bases. That's it. And Buck decides to use him in the sixth inning because, hey, every run is precious. If you're Tomas Nito, you cannot swing at the first pitch. That can't happen. I'm sorry, Tomas. You're not Johnny Bench. You are not swinging at the first pitch. You have to give Terrence Gore a chance or two to steal second base. If you swing at the first pitch and you get a hit, I'm still going to say, Tomas, you can't, that's risky. And obviously, worst case scenario, you bounced into the double play, but you wasted Terrence Gore. And look, it turned out not to matter because the Mets broke it open in the seventh inning, but Terrence Gore is a chip you can only use once. Can't use him multiple times. You can only pinch run once because he's not going to hit. It's not like he's going to go up batting unless you're really desperate. So I hope Balk put his arm around Tomas and said, Tomas, we love you. We really do. We, we love you. You can't lay down a bunt sacrifice anymore, but we still love you. You throw guys out at second base, which is great. We love you. Get your head out of your ass. If I'm using Terrence Gore to pinch run, can you let the guy run? Can you, can you do that for me, Tomas? So that was a stupid play.